Sup, y'all. Sup, y'all. Welcome to another episode of We Don't Know Her. I'm Katie. And I'm Christy. (laughs) (laughs) And today we're doing a little bit of a close encounter of our spiritual, (laughs) physical, and mental kind. We are talking about intimacy, right? You like that? Like a close encounter. Because intimacy is close, right? Like, does that... Yeah. You get it? Um, And this is... I'm not going to lie. This is something that... I definitely have a lot to say about and, you know, everyone does. Everyone has their own relationship with intimacy, but we're going to get into what intimacy is, not just having sex and like the, you know, physical aspects of things like that, but like all encompassing what it is, our experiences with it. And this is really kind of, I think, a you, you're leading the charge on this episode mm. a little bit because um, it's something that I think you're dealing with more in real time mm-hmm. than I am. Yeah. I mean, I think that we deal with it every single day with all of our relationships but I think when it comes to romantic relationships like I'm still exploring and it's new to me um for obvious reasons one of which is because you are a married woman I mean you've been in the same relationship for over a decade so it does come in it, it kind of shows itself in different ways for both of us and, you know, we can explore how it comes up for you being in a long-term relationship and how to keep the intimacy alive and all that good stuff. So, yeah, it is safe to say that we are both barking at the limbs to talk about intimacy. <laughs> if you That's, listen to last week's episode, you'll, you'll get you'll that. You'll understand. It's a little reference to a time when I thought that bursting at the seams was actually barking at the limbs. So we're barking at the limbs today because we both have a lot to say. Yeah. So we're excited. And, uh, yeah, I guess, do you want to start off, let's do a little catch up, um, because I know that you wanted to kind of touch base on where we're at, new season, new us. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I don't know what struck this inspiration, but I guess maybe it dawned on me that we are in full swing of spring. Oh, you've got to <laughs> That was not intentional. <laughs> I mean, I can't help it, because we really are. We, you know, the first day of spring was, uh, what, like in March? Is that when spring starts? When spring springs, springs. Yeah, I think that sounds right. When spring springs, um, but now that we're in May and like summer is upon us, I was like, "Wow, we actually we made it through the winter." And if you've been a long-standing listener of ours from the very beginning, one of our first episodes that we released was about the impending winter. Winter we is were, coming. Mm-hmm. It was in November, I think, that we released the episode where we kind of just talked about things that we were anticipating because it was you know, like the peak of these pandemic times and what that meant for everybody and how to prepare ourselves mentally. So I thought that it would be a good idea to do a callback to that where episode. Where are they now? Yeah, where are they now? Um, they just being us because mm-hmm. this is about us. <laughs> um, <laughs> this, this is our podcast and it's only about us. Wow. So just kidding. Love you guys. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to talk about that episode and kind of follow up and there were a couple things just right off the bat that I wanted to bring up because listening back I will admit I was a little nervous because it was one of our first episodes so I was like it was one of the first we batch released five episodes in the beginning if you remember if you've been listening the whole time uh so we recorded those first five not knowing having any feedback or knowing anything about what we were doing um or and how I, to sound or how to even ha- talk to each other right and not saying that we do now you're probably watching slash listening to this and being like you still don't no, know we what do. you're doing. I think we have a better handle on it but 
I think we're definitely better, but um, I haven't listened to those episodes in a while. I I think I hold them like I was so proud of them mm-hmm. that I I don't want to tarnish that that memory. Well, that's why I was a little I worried, it. not worried, but just cringing preemptively because I was like, I already know that we were brand new to it, so I can only imagine what I sound like because I since then refused to listen to any of the old episodes just out of sheer embarrassment of myself. So. <laughs> Anyway, getting to the point, I was LOLing because it was so apparent in the beginning when we were doing our just free flow catch up <laughs> that like, so Katie and I have been friends for what, like almost 15 years at this point, Yeah. but we were talking to each other like we were like new acquaintances. I was like, so tell me about your week. Like, what did you do? And Katie told me that she went on a trip. It was your anniversary weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah. You went to Maryland. You were explaining just, you know, it was just a really nice time. And sometimes, you know, you just uh, need to relax and let go. And I was like, wow, that's so nice, Katie. I'm glad you had a good time. It was as if we were just meeting. It was so... Oh god! Now I kind of I do now I want to listen to it. I, I want to go back. It was like this. Like, why are we having small talk right now? Like, we are legitimately having uncomfortable small talk with each other, and we're like, yeah, just roll with it. This sounds good. We were like nice to each other. Yeah, now, like our true colors so have since come out because we've just you know we've let it go. But then listening to what we did dive into with the episode was interesting because it's only been. It's been a very short amount of time since then. It, it's, it feels like almost, almost an eternity. Coming up in six months. Mm-hmm. But even within that time, I can hear a stark difference in just like where my mindset was and what I was fearful of and all of those things. So before I dive into my feelings about it, I, you know, just to kind of bring you up to speed up to what, as to what you were talking about in the episode mm-hmm. was... Yeah, I don't remember. Um just kind of preparing for winter and in, in a way of like being cozy and comfortable and mm-hmm. um, just feeling very at home in your home, I guess. And, you know, do you, how do you feel the winter went for you? Do you feel like you were, you know, cognizant of, of maintaining like a healthy state of mind? Were you, how did you feel? Like I got present? lucky. <clears throat> I got very lucky because I... I had a a few things like carry me through. So first it was um, Taylor Swift's albums, you know. Oh, right. That was really, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that they were coming out when we did our winter episode. So that was really exciting for me. I was listening to them today, actually. They're still very, very influential. So I listened to those a lot. I felt like that got me through. I was listening to them a lot around Christmas. And there was the holidays. So that's always fun and exciting. The holidays are the fun part. Like once... New Year's Day is over. That's when the dread of winter, when you live on the East Coast, begins because you know, or in the Midwest, I guess, you know there's another three, four months of cold with no hope. But at that point was when we really started house hunting and we went under contract in early January. Mm-hmm. So so then I had the house and then we settled and then I started working on the house. So I got through the winter by kind of just perpetually working on things moving through things like focusing on the newness any new thing that I had I really clung to because I'm somebody who really needs change and variety and things like that um pretty frequently or I get crazy so I think that was a way to get through it and I but I did definitely really embrace that was when I was in my apartment obviously and I did 
try to make it as comfortable as possible. I really went hard with that. Like, you know, I didn't take my Christmas decorations down until like, like yesterday, like <laughs> before you moved in. When I was moving. Um, but I really did do that. And I do think, and I'm now I'm grateful because that really, I enjoyed my last holiday season in that apartment. It was a good cap mm-hmm. on our, on our eight years there. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy with the way the winter went. I think it could have gone a lot worse and, you know, we didn't know about a vaccine then. We didn't know about... There were so many things that we were afraid of. And I think now we're really yeah, on the up and up, at least, I hope. It feels more hopeful now. Yeah. And I... We did new also... President, New Year, like, oh, just... Yeah. We, yeah. Um, we had also talked about just the difference in the social culture of our lives because of the pandemic. Because not mm-hmm. only were we entering a winter... Um, just in general, which can be very gloomy and doomy. But also we were, um, like I said, obviously in a pandemic still. And people were really starting, it was starting to really sink in that, you know, we had to buckle up for this winter because we no longer had the reprieve of being able to go outside and live some concept of a life. But we had talked about not going to bars anymore. Mm -hmm. And for a couple of different reasons, one, because we couldn't. We, oh, yeah. we literally <laughs> legally weren't allowed to. But also, just in the season of our lives, you and I, like, I don't drink, but you were trying to cut down on the drinking. That mm-hmm. was another thing that you had pointed out of trying to really manage your drinking and ask yourself when and why you want to because right. it was no longer just a blind coping mechanism for either of us. You were doing it much more mindfully, whereas I wasn't doing it. And that was a challenge for both of us because... It's something we've never done before, and we weren't sure how we were going to handle it mentally, emotionally, in the confines of just our home, and also without using it to suppress feelings. So, I mean, how do you think you did on that aspect? I think that over the winter, um, I think I did okay. I think I probably could have done better, but once we bought the house that shifted it. So I think that once I moved, it helped a lot because I was I was actually saying this to my mother-in-law last night. I feel like at my old apartment, there was residual energy from the eight years that we lived there. I moved into that apartment when I was 24. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay. Yes. Math. We, I will trust your math, but that Six sounds about two, right. Yeah, I'm 32, eight years, yes. So I was 24. So I was young and I partied. We were in our partying days, you mm-hmm. know, like that, that apartment held such an energy of pre-gaming and just like, yeah, rowdiness. right. And, and not only that, but then as I got older, um, when I wasn't like getting drunk anymore and I was just drinking wine, like at home, the, it was a lot of, I felt very isolated there. I was very trapped. I felt alone a lot of the time. No one really could see me very easily. I didn't have any outdoor space of my own. It, and I and I couldn't put any work into it or focus on my place because I knew I was leaving. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like I had a lot of like idle hands, you know, type of situation. And that led to me drinking just out of boredom. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I was worried about where I was like, I know that I, I'm not even like, oh, I'm excited to drink. I'm just bored. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think now I've noticed that since we've moved, there's a lot of days that go by that I didn't even realize that I didn't drink wine. I'm just busy. You mm-hmm. know, like I don't, so I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the numbers, but just taking it a step further, I do really sympathize for the people who 
you know, are who went through this quarantined winter who may have not who don't really have much of a firm handle on their coping mechanisms with substances. A lot of people relapsed. And yeah. It's or lapsed, it's, I should say, yeah. Yeah. And I I think that it's um you know, if you don't live that type of life, it's really easy to not remember that that happens for other people. But I think in your life in particular, it's good that you are staying mindful of it. And although you may not have done the absolute perfect job at it or what you would have liked to do um, leading up to the winter, it's still, you didn't go down any, you didn't go down any slippery slopes. No. So I don't even think I got drunk. Like, I don't yeah. think I was drunk once. Maybe no, I, I don't even know. Like, yeah, I don't even know the last time we were ever drunk. Yeah, like, it's not, general. and I drink wine around you all the time. Like, it's not, that's just not my thing. I don't want to, I just don't enjoy that. No. That's not my thing. At this point. I just like having something in my hand. Like, even yeah. now when we record, I have to have a, I have to have something to sip all the time. It's like a, it's just a hand thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's my hands. Yeah. It's <laughs> at this point, some, I think for some, if I did drink, I, I think that red wine would almost be the equivalent of drinking coffee. Like it wouldn't be to get exactly. any type of fix. Well, I guess maybe it's just some like an enjoying fix, activity, but... you know, most of the time. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So what do you think? I mean, how do you think the winter went for you? What did you say about yourself in the episode? Because so, I know you said you were going to like make jewelry. I was I like trying to, you, you were going to knit. No, no, I was trying to find a hobby. Like I talked okay. about trying to curate some type of hobby for myself that would, you know, carry my, carry me through life forever. I, I thought that I would just <laughs> get a hobby and then stick with it. But it, it wasn't really necessarily just about the hobby. I think more in terms of like my emotional and mental state, I was, I was a little apprehensive about mm-hmm. no, slipping into a mindset of feeling lonely. At that point, I was still very eager to find a connection with somebody to potentially turn into a relationship. And it was, I'm still in that space as far as looking for connections, looking for a connection with a particular person that will turn into a partner. But I was much more, like I said, eager. Um, That connotation around it is much different than where I am now because at that point I was living intentionally, but still, there were still some blind spots, I think. I was getting really resentful of the dating apps. I was getting resentful of any interaction that I was having specifically with like somebody that I was interested in dating. Mm -hmm. And um, it was very frustrating. I I, I described it as feeling like I was in purgatory because I was like, I want to make connections, but I also don't want to put the effort in to get to know somebody. I was just all over the place. It felt much more chaotic. It felt a little bit like I was still in a space of desperation. A little panicky, yeah. Yeah, feeling a little bit more desperate than I am now because of what I learned over the winter. But I ultimately did do my best to maintain the balance that I was looking for in terms of working and then also relaxing. So I was trying do you think my you best. Did, like, do you think that you were conscious of your social media and all of that um like intake yeah um because i if i felt like i I can feel it in my body if my brain literally feels like sludge it's time to turn it off for a while or it's time to walk away from it for a while and go do something that is much more productive and nourishing and i think that the other thing about it was just i was able to really take a look at my relationships in my life and find a much deeper appreciation for them and also make an effort to 
make them what I want them to be and uh, deepen them and find the things about them that are enriching for me as opposed to just having them there and taking them for granted. So I definitely had a bit of a, a growth spurt in that sense over the winter. So although I, I didn't start a new hobby, like I said, I wanted to, I don't think of it in terms of like not holding up my end of the bargain this winter. Like I think, well, that, that wasn't the main point, you know? No, but I had said something about that in the episode of like, you know, we're going to see how we do. And it kind of felt like there was a little bit of an expectation of if I don't do these things that I say, at the end of the winter, am I going to feel like a failure? Am I going to feel like I didn't do enough? But I don't, I don't feel that way. I think that we all did the best that we can and we came out of it generally unscathed, hopefully better, you know, like hopefully in a more new and improved way. So I do, I feel that way. So I do think that I, I lived up to it. And I think that another thing that we didn't take into account, which I'm assuming we didn't mention it on the episode. I don't know how we could have known But I think that the podcast itself Mm. was extremely important for both of us surviving winter. Mm -hmm. It was something for us to focus on. Like when we're not recording, we're thinking about what we're going to record. We're talking about the the behind the scenes stuff that goes into it. And um, I think it was a really good distraction for both of us. Like we spend a lot of time talking and thinking about it. And I think that even just then hanging out every Saturday – forcing us to like when even if we didn't feel like it or if we were tired or if we were whatever forcing us to kind of pull ourselves together and do the podcast I think was probably really good for us yes and that on top of what we are actually talking about it's constantly we're just constantly reflecting on ourselves right because that is what this podcast is so I am very thankful for that because although it did give us something to do with our hands it also was a way for us to always stay in tune with you know, what we've been through, right. what like we're the learning. conversations we're actually having yeah. about the pot. Like, it's not, yeah, it's like, that's what I mean. Like, something to do, but I mean, like, even literally, like, as a, a growing point, mm-hmm. it's, it's like our own kind of therapy. Like, every week we have to talk about a topic, mm-hmm. and we need to really reflect on it and think about it and process it. And either way, I think that it's just been really good for us, and I hope that anyone listening um throughout the winter I hope that the podcast was something that maybe helped you get through it and like at least gave you some things to think about and talk to your friends about or your family about that um could help you grow or reflect or whatever because that's really like that's what we want to do yeah and you know if you're a new listener and you haven't been listening to us for very long um you know now may be a good time for you to kind of have a few moments and think about Mm pre-winter and see how far you've come from then and what you learned about yourself during that season. And I think winter is, it's monumental in a certain way because it is so confining. You can't go out and be in the world. So you're kind of forced to sit indoors. And especially during these times, they were very hard and stressful. You know? Well, and I think that's something that has been, you know, like the winter solstice is something that has been practiced and kind of observed for a really long time and it is that transition into winter and all of the rituals that go along with it because our bodies do change season to season like we have evolved to a point to we want to do more we want to eat more in winter we want to sleep more we want to do all of those things that can feel um like counterproductive but really that's what we're supposed to do so that we can have the energy and be ready so that when spring comes we feel renewed, we feel rested and we're ready to go and and get as much done we can while we can until it gets mm-hmm. cold again. Um yeah. so diving right into the topic, I feel like a good starting point would be 
basically what it means, paint a picture for everybody in very literal terms as to what intimacy means, because just like vulnerability, it can get a little muddled. And I think certain interpretations and definitions of intimacy can become very broad and then really conflated with other things. Like, for instance, I said to you before, like I kind of always thought of intimacy as almost synonymous with vulnerability or Mm -hmm. with like physical touch. So turns out that's not the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, It is actually just a simple feeling of closeness to people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it comes, there's different, there's varying levels of it and there's different types of intimacy that we'll get into. But would you agree that's pretty much, you know, the definition of intimacy or if there's anything else? Yeah, like I said to you the other day when we were talking about it, I think that it's... um, you know, I think that the way that I've always separated is just that vulnerability is you don't need two people to be vulnerable. You can be vulnerable with anyone and the other person listening to you could be super closed off and not vulnerable at all. Whereas intimacy is that closeness shared between two people mm-hmm. that could be for a moment, for a, a, an hour, for a lifetime. Um, and there's varying levels. And I think the levels, the type of intimacy, everyone has a different type of intimacy that they're comfortable with. Um, there's a lot of people that I think can have one night stands and the idea of dating someone makes them feel like they're going to die because it's so scary to have sex with a stranger is not scary. Um, then there's people that, you know, can talk about their emotions all day, but do not want to be touched. That would be me. Hi. Um, so I think that there's a lot of varying degrees and, and who you were, the experiences you went through in your past do shape specifically exactly how you view intimacy all the different types of it and how you like what what you enjoy or don't enjoy about it and um i think that reflecting on that and kind of we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later of like what our experiences were throughout our lives and why why we do see intimacy the way we do now because we don't see it we don't see it the same way and we don't experience it the same way yeah i i have a much better understanding of it now you know i don't think that my viewpoints have necessarily changed I just know more about it now and have Mm -hmm. a better comprehension of what how I can incorporate it into my life now and how to improve it moving on so um so yeah it's just the feeling of closeness like you said I do think that it requires more than one person Mm -hmm. if not you know maybe like a couple people like or a few people more than more than one (laughs) yeah it can't in order to achieve true intimacy, you need to have more than one person and it has to be mutual. And I think that another aspect of it that is required to achieve it is attention, like mutual attention, mutual interest in each other's, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is that you're talking about. So just to briefly touch on the four different types, because before we started recording, I didn't even know that this was separated into types. So with emotional I feel like there has to be an element of directness with it. You can't beat around the bush with someone that you're talking to that you're trying to become intimate with and succeed in becoming intimate. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think it depends on the people because I think that intimacy is that connection and that being in the moment. And I don't think it's so much like... I wouldn't say beating around the bush means that you can't be intimate. I think that being intimate is that closeness and that understanding between two people and although that wouldn't work for us in an intimate situation I think there's some people that like I think you can be intimate with someone and not go super deep no well you know what I mean well I with directness I mean more of like saying how you feel like like it doesn't even have to be honesty yeah it doesn't have to be very deep 
it can just be you simply stating that, you know, I felt hurt. I was, even if you're retelling a story, you know, like I was hurt in this situation or, um, you know, I was upset, I was embarrassed, I was ashamed, guilty. And I think those are harder emotions to admit to. So that, that's why I'm using those as an example. But you can even, you know, just being direct with how you feel. So well, I think like a good example, like what I think of as like a visual of, of emotional intimacy is when you see two people at dinner and they're sitting at like one of those tiny tables and they are having a conversation and they are looking right at each other. They don't hear or see other people in the room. They are in the moment together sharing that space and locked in to each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, when you see that, you can you can see it when two people are having that type of intimate conversation. I think it's very obvious to other people because there is a sense of, I think it honestly has a lot to do with eye contact. Well, that goes into physical, I think. Right, true. Yeah. Well, then, right, then it goes I think into, that's, yeah. they all, I think that you can definitely have relationships where you harness all four types mm-hmm. but there's also relationships where you know maybe there's only two types of intimacy in the relationship depending on what kind of relationship it is you know so I think that yeah the body language the eye contact the undivided attention like I said those play into the physical and then they can also be you know sexual because I think that that's what a lot of people think of when they hear the term intimate is they think that it's usually just like cuddling or like hugging or you know that type of thing but it, it does it does um, also mean the eye contact just like locked in. Like you said, yeah. they could be eating dinner together. But um, so there's emotional, physical, we have mental, which I think is the, in my opinion, I think it's a, it's the subject matter that you're talking about. Is it meaningful conversation? Is it substantial? Are you kind of getting cerebral with things? stimulating like mentally stimulating whatever whatever that is for you if it's stimulating your mind and making you feel kind of amped up about talking about whatever it is you have a mutual conversation I yeah I think that would probably be like I'm trying because I as you're going through I'm trying to think like where in my life do I do each of these things to try to give myself more clear examples um because I think I knew that there was emotional physical and spiritual I don't know that I ever saw mental as different than emotional. It was it's it was well, hard for, you, for me to see the difference. Think about it if you were talking to someone about like ghosts, like something that you um, that you both can feed off of each other and kind yeah, of yeah. Well, off and of that's what other. I think. I think like Ricky and I listen to a lot of podcasts together. We listen to um, Armchair Expert with mm-hmm. Dak Shepard, and we will pause it or or afterwards have conversations about it, and we don't always agree. Like mm-hmm. we're not. Um, but we're having conversations that, yeah, I guess that's... that's Stimulating. Yeah, and we're talking about what we really think about, like, world issues, about mm-hmm. something that's going on or whatever. Yes, let it be known that by having a substantial conversation that is intimate doesn't mean that you have to agree right? when it comes to mental. I don't think that... Um, I it, don't think... I, yeah, I never agree with anyone. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that's why it can be stimulating is because it's challenging for you. Something mm-hmm. that challenges you and makes you start to really think from a different perspective. So... They all kind of tie into each other because I think that can also bleed into spiritual. Spiritual, I think, is much more about, very clearly, the spiritual aspect of your life, like your beliefs, where, you know, the meaning of your life. I think that's where Um, my ghosts lie. Yeah. So, you know, depending on the topic, but they all are incorporated into just the general feeling of being intimate. So, yeah, like I said, I think that you can have all four or you can just have a couple 
and not others because it kind of keeps you on your toes a little bit. You know, you can kind of, I guess, experiment with different types of relationships and feelings of intimacy to become a well-rounded person. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I wanted to add is just that I think there has to be a level of risk involved. And I know the word risk sounds scary, but I think with intimacy, there are different parts of the foundation of it, one of them being trust. So I don't think that you can have a truly intimate relationship with someone that you don't trust. Um, Because I think that there will always be a wall of some kind. If you are weary of that person, if you feel like you can't, if you can't be fully open, then I don't know that you can f- truly feel intimate with that person. It's so hard to say because I think that I think people can have physical intimacy or honestly other forms of intimacy. Um, I just don't know that you it would last without trust. Like I think that it's possible to do like um, like like this good example. I am somebody who is like I have very intimate conversations with people within five minutes of meeting them. I don't trust you. I don't know anything about you. I don't know if you're going to tell everyone this, but I'm in this moment. I'm having this conversation. I'm going to tell you what I think. And I'm, if you're participating and I feel like you're interested in what I'm saying and you're reciprocating, I'm going to go into it. Um, so I think that it's like, well, let me, I guess let me back up and let me, let me clarify. Cause I don't know. So with trust, I think that it means like you're putting yourself out on a limb by sharing this information mm-hmm. and you're kind of hoping I mean whether you're um cognizant of that hope or not like if you're intentionally going into this conversation with a new person for example hoping for an intimate connection it by opening up that conversation you are putting yourself out on a limb by sharing either information about yourself or like what you think or what you believe in so I think that's what I mean it doesn't necessarily mean that I trust you with my information because I'm not very trusting of people right away either as far Mm -hmm. as like are you going to tell people? I don't know. But more of a trust that by me exposing myself in a way, there's a level of trust where I'm hoping that you're going to take that and I'm I'm basing my, my desire to share with you off of an energy. And I'm trusting that by me opening up that you're going to reciprocate. And if you don't reciprocate, then I kind of know, you know, maybe this isn't what I thought that it was. Yes, but I think that sounds a lot like vulnerability. Well, I think... So that's, that's where it's it's difficult because I think that it's like... I think that depending on who you are and your relationship with intimacy shapes how you see it. So for you, you see it as more of a risk of mm-hmm. putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. For me, I see it as a confidence. I'm confident enough to be my authentic self, say what I think, have this moment with you, and you might not you might take that information and mock me later. You might spread that information or tell a secret that I told you that I didn't want you to or use it against me later, but I'm confident enough in in this moment that I'm I'm going to go ahead and do it. And I'm not it's not so much that I'm I'm never to be honest, I don't really worry. I don't think about what might happen if I tell someone this information. Well, I guess what what or are you... Or get close to them. 
are you sharing this information in a way to feel close with them? Or like to feel It's not, connected? I don't, no, it's usually like the other way around. So like I'll meet someone and I feel a vibe, I feel a connection, mm-hmm. and then I start sharing. I don't have an intention going into it of like, I'm going to talk to this person to get close to them. It's more so like, oh, I feel close to you, so now I'm going to start talking to you and I'll just start opening up and it also depends on how the other person is um if the other person is somebody who's just talking to me like small talk I'm not gonna be like well I want to get deeper and go deeper I won't it's it's an even level match where if you're there right then and we're in this moment together there's a level of intimacy that I will lock in and then and and feel um I I I like it like I I enjoy being in that space you know what I mean like I just I just like the feeling of it and Well, yes, and I think we're kind of straying a little bit only because I 100% agree with why I like to, like when I'm feeling the energy from somebody, it makes me want to be, have an intimate conversation with you. Mm -hmm. Doesn't necessarily have to be about anything super, super deep, but an honest conversation, a genuine conversation, and me being my authentic self. Because I also kind of thrive off of that feeling. And once it is reciprocated, then a trust is formed. Like that's where it comes in for me, where then I feel like we have a mutual connection now so now Mm -hmm. I feel like there is a level of trust that is built in that you're going to take this information and you're going to do the same thing with me that I'm doing with you so I think that by using the word risk and trust it kind of makes it seem like there is a scary feeling attached to it but it's not so dark you know what I mean like I feel like with trust that's just what I mean in terms of like are you going to do the same thing with me that I'm doing with you and if we are then cool we're connected. Like we already have like one little puzzle piece that fits together. So, and then it kind of, it just builds from there. Mm-hmm. So where we are with intimacy now, did you have any type of misunderstanding of it that now you feel like you have a better understanding or do you see it differently? How has your perception of intimacy changed from when you were younger? Um, I think that... So to be totally honest, I never thought about it. I never, it never crossed my mind. Any, any type of intimacy, I never, it wasn't something that I was aware of or thought about. Um, but I know that my experiences have directly impacted the way that I, the way that I feel and how the intimacy level that I have. So, um, my natural instinct is to be, like I said, very intimate emotionally, mentally, everything but physically. Mm-hmm. I'm very basically very intimate at all but physical. So within moments of meeting me, I will go into all of that with you and I can kind of get locked in. But I noticed as I got older that I guess because people were drinking so often, so no one was really interested in doing that. And I kept finding myself in situations where like how everyone wakes up the next day hungover and they feel like cringy and like, did I embarrass myself? Did I do something? I would feel that way because I was trying to be emotionally or mentally intimate with people and they weren't Mm -hmm. there and, or they were, but they were drunk. So it wasn't real. Mm -hmm. And that was really confusing for me. And I think that I just started to, and then, you know, so that was like my mental aspect of it and I started to reel it in and I also have had a lot of friendships that went south that I was very close to those people and shared a lot and they 
spread that information. They lied about me. I mean, throughout my life, like multiple different friends. And I think that that break in trust caused me to go even more inward and not want to be as intimate with people and share my feelings. And then on the other hand, you know, um, because I was sexually assaulted twice each time, that affected my intimacy. So the first time I was sexually assaulted, I became super physically intimate. I wanted to, I was looking for a close physical connection to someone. I didn't know that that was why, but now in retrospect, I know. And then after the second time it happened, it went the opposite way where I did not want anyone to touch me. And that is something that I'm still working through 12, 14, 10, 12 years later? Mm-hmm. How long? 12 years later, yes. Yeah. So. Well, see, yeah. I mean, but that's kind of also where the element of trust comes in, you know, because I think that when you do put yourself out there to try to become intimate with somebody on an emotional, mental, physical sense, you're putting yourself out there and then your trust gets broken in some way and then it makes you want to retreat back and not be intimate. So, you know, case in point, I, I think that there is that important part of it because I think the more intimacy that you build with people, then your trust, just like anything else with your self-confidence, self-esteem starts to grow. So you start to understand it more and know where to put your trust because I don't know that we would ever put ourselves in a situation anymore, or at least we wouldn't do it so irresponsibly like we did before, like physically or when we were drunk, because I did the same thing. I was constantly craving connection with people, and I thought the only way you could do that was by being inebriated so that you could, like, let your guards down mm-hmm. and hope that the other person was going to um, return the favor or just by having sex with a random stranger. Mm-hmm. So um, it it was definitely a misled path of intimacy. Like, we were looking for it in all the wrong places, all the wrong ways. Yeah, and I think it's... It's weird because I guess like the more we talk about it, I think what happens is, and I still haven't quite gotten through this. I'd like to say like, because I, I don't want to not be able to, I don't want to change. I don't want to not be very intimate with people mentally mm-hmm. and, and whatever off the bat. So I'm not in a position where I'm like, unfortunately, I'm still the same. I'm happy that I'm still the same way. The only thing is that I think that the unfortunate part of it is that maybe where your brain has learned to be in the moment when it's happening to wait to see if you can trust that person and have that feeling in your mind of like, okay, I'm going to say this. If you say that, then I feel that it's there. I don't do that. I go right in, full in. I don't do that now. But then later, I if the trust is broken, right, then I'm... Reverting back. Yeah, and I think that like in the moment that... I don't know if it's a good or bad thing. Like I think part of me thinks that I should be more... Uh, wary of trusting someone or being intimate, having that connection with someone off the bat, as opposed to just constantly going right into it and then regretting it, not regretting it, but feeling like it was broken later. I don't know. Well, see, I mean, that's where I've changed, you know, like I don't, I think when it comes to newer interactions now in this present state of myself, I'm not, I am much more willing to put myself out on a limb if I'm feeling some type of energetic connection. So I don't, I'm not, I'm still not like so weary about it where I'm like, ooh, like should I, should I not say this? I'm, 
I'm learning to grow out of that where I'm like, this is me. Like I am going to be myself. I just know now like with more interactions with that person, depending on how they receive the information from me, then, you know, if I want to go deeper with it moving forward. So it's really, it is a trial and error of developing intimate conversations or connections with people. So just to kind of, I guess, correct you in that sense where it's like, I've, I've grown from that. Like, I don't think that I feel so fearful anymore. I'm much more. Well, no, I just meant, I just meant like what the example that you were giving in terms of like earlier when you were saying there has to be a trust in the moment when you're feeling that with someone. And I was just saying, I don't have that in the moment. Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't have that. So that's why when you were saying it, I was like, I don't know if it's a trust because that's just not how my brain processes it in the moment. Not saying that's good or bad. It Mm -hmm. just isn't. It just isn't. So it just. It's something that I, I guess because I look at it as like, I'll deal with it later. If, 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 it go, if it goes wrong, if I'm intimate now with this person in any capacity and it goes wrong, I will deal with it later. And I don't, like I said, I don't know if that's the better way to do things or not. And I don't know if it would be more beneficial to, to be more weary in, initially. I don't know. Um, but I think that it's something that now... I guess I just, I don't know because I'm not really in that position. I've been with my husband for so long. I've had the same friends for so long. I'm never, I don't get to try that very often anymore. So I'm not sure. Right, right, right. So um, we kind of touched on, you know, our similar past of trying to find it in all the wrong places. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I'm sure I could figure out examples from my family of origin story of, you know, the house that I grew up in, my relationship with my parents how that formed my intimacy because of course like we've said before those are your first Mm -hmm. initial relationships that's where you kind of learn how relationships operate or like your interpretation of them is shaped by your family and I definitely developed my issues at a very young age I think that I was very direct about my feelings when I was very young I was always emotional and I don't think that I was as scared to say how I really feel until I saw the repercussions of that so Mm -hmm. then that's what made me retreat and then want to be closed off and have a guard up and then throughout my teenage years my adolescent years my young adult years specifically with my friendships because my friendships and my romantic relationships have a different attachment of intimacy with my friendships I never really thought of them as intimate relationships I think for a very long time probably up until the last couple of years my friendships were my escape they were fun you know we would have we would experience things together that did bring us together but I never really looked at intimacy in my friendships it just I only equated intimacy with my romantic relationships and I was constantly seeking whether I was in a relationship or not I was seeking all four of those um, types the physical emotional spiritual mental in one person and I never really felt intimacy in my romantic relationships and it was really disappointing for me when I was really hell-bent on having all four in one person and then resenting them when I wasn't finding it So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they all worked out the way they should have. 
I don't think the people that I was involved with romantically were even capable of being intimate. So again, going back to that point of there has to be two people involved if it's this one-on-one relationship. It was mostly, it was just chaos. You know, there was, there was no, no mindful thinking or feeling or anything. So, um, I think if you have, I think you, I think you can build on them if you start off in a relationship with only one, uh, like let's say that you, as long as it's not physical, any but physical. So if you start off with a connection with someone mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, I think you can build intimacy in other areas if you wanted to. If it's just physical, that doesn't, in my opinion, just me, allegedly, I don't think that you can then, you could. Yeah, you could. You could. I don't think it's nearly as likely or um, as realistic or as healthy as maybe it would because that is something that can be built and you have to, like, to to be able to be intimate with someone physically, you have to understand their body and know their body and vice versa so how could you ever really be intimate with someone physically that you don't know that well? Uh, you could feel that connection in the moment, but I think that there isn't, there's just, I don't know that you could really know someone that well if that's the only connection that you have. But I think that even for Ricky and I, like we definitely have an emotional intimacy right off the bat. Mentally and spirit, definitely, I would say and mentally too. I would say there we had three. We had physical, mental, and emotional. Spiritual just started happening in the last couple years. And even in the mental capacity, it changes all the time. Mm-hmm. It, like, it's always evolving. And I do think that within... I just... I think that people... For anyone listening, if you are in a relationship with someone and you're like, hmm, I think I only have, like, one, that doesn't mean that it's... Uh, dead end you can but you have to grow like you have to actually really intentionally try to build that intimacy and it can be uncomfortable but you gotta do it and both it's a two-way street both people have to participate and be very present in that process otherwise you're just going to be beating your head against a wall you know story of my life I I would not only feel like I'm just coming up to a constant obstacle but always like then becoming much more sensitive I was opening myself up and trying so hard to achieve that intimacy, whether I was going about it the right way or not, because I, again, didn't know much about myself, didn't really understand my sense of intimacy back then, but still craving that connection. That's that's as much as I knew. I knew that I wanted an emotional, mental connection. Mm-hmm. And with that craving and then only having physical and feeling so unfulfilled in these really important parts of my my human being I would become resentful and I would be super sensitive if the other person either like gave me a bit of it and then retracted or then they would become withdrawn or then they would become resentful of me or it just became toxic and then so it it really became this harmful cycle for me where I was constantly looking for it again in all the wrong places and also because it was mostly like a one-way street two people kind of have to be in the same space in their lives with what they want to do with it, how they want to nourish their relationships in order for it to build. Yeah, that's something that you and I talked about when that was happening, when you were with your ex of, you know, that you were with for seven years. At that time, we, because you started dating him a year before Ricky and I started dating, we spent most of 
the formative years of our relationships in tandem at that time. And we were both in rough spots in our relationships at that time. We were, I was fighting with Ricky a lot. It was before we were engaged. Things were tumultuous. And I remember us both talking to each other and being like, the difference is that Ricky will do what it takes. He will, it might be difficult Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's not, um, it's, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's really hard, but he, at the end of the day, he will do it. And your ex was not in a position of wanting to do it. And that's the thing is I think, yeah, you can definitely grow it. But the same way we were saying that it takes two people to be intimate. It takes two people to want to grow the intimacy. You can't force it upon somebody. Right. One of the ways that you can kind of recognize if you are not achieving that intimacy is that if if you feel like you're forcing the situation, if you feel like you're having to force the other person to be intimate or to open up or to be themselves or to even want to get to know themselves. Because I think that in order to really get better at forming intimate relationships, you do have to get to know yourself. So yeah, if you're with somebody who is just really content in remaining stagnant and they've kind of plateaued in their mental health or their mental growth and they don't want to get any better or they don't want to explore anything further than what they already know, then, you know, you got to kind of reevaluate your priorities in the relationship and if it's something that you're willing to live with or not. I know for myself, I'm, one of my main goals in life is to just have as many intimate relationships as possible because I love the connection, the feeling of connecting with other people, you know, whether it's mental and emotional and not physical. Like for instance, you and I, like we have every, every type pretty much checked off except physical. Like Katie and I have hugged maybe like three times in our whole Only friendship. Only a tragedy has occurred. Like a deep, deep, sad tragedy. Otherwise, that's it. We never, we never. And we don't, and we don't. And I don't, And but here's the thing. I'm like that with all of, all of my friends. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're not, it's not like we're like, oh, just like us. I hate we're like that. We don't, I, I, the only person that I like to touch is my husband. Right. And even then, sometimes I'm like, get too away much, from too me. Too much. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I just have never been that, um, but that doesn't take away anything from your relationship with him or me or anybody else no. who have an intimate relationship It makes it more, with. I mean, it's hard because my husband is, it, whereas with you, it's easy because that's just how we are. Mm-hmm. So there's never, it's not like you're always trying to hug me and I'm like, please don't. Um, my husband is much more physically intimate than I am. And he loves that connection. Like not, obviously all men like to have sex, but not having sex, but like literally just like being close, physically like, close Ricky together. Ricky would lay on top of you. Yes. Just like fully clothed on the couch watching yes. TV if he could for hours on end. That's literally what, <laughs> yes, 110%. Like, every night we fall asleep on the couch. Well, if, if I let him. I don't like to fall asleep on the couch, but sometimes I'll do it. We'll lay on the couch. We'll fall asleep. I'll wake up, like, an hour or whatever later and be like, let's go to bed. And he, and he says the same thing every time. I'm just really enjoying laying here with you. That's what he says. <laughs> and then I'm like, stop. okay, all right. Well, we're going to lay together in bed. Whatever. Right. Um, so, yeah. and I, So I do have to work on it for him and try to be – um, like it's not my natural inclination to just go up and, and hug him like sometimes, but not all of the time. Whereas I know that it would really make him feel better if I did. So I try to do that, but, um, and that's what I mean by like growing it, you know, it's, you yeah. can work on it, but I think you have you to know. be patient and yeah. you have to allow it to develop organically. Um, I think that's where it becomes the most substantial and meaningful is when it, it does take time. You know, I think 
where we are now in our lives, I know for me, my idea of intimacy definitely, like I'm not, because I'm the only times that I'm ever really truly interacting with people is if I'm at work or if I'm, I don't know, on a dating app or like talking to some, I don't know, just anytime I, we can have an intimate connection. We can have like, and they can be moments, but in order to grow it, they, they need to evolve over time. So, you know, you can have a small seed of intimacy planted with somebody like for instance, like one of my coworkers who I'm just getting to know and I'm kind of allowing it to grow very naturally and and have it be genuine. I don't want to force intimacy on her and then become her best friend. I, I That makes me nauseous thinking about it like because it feels so disingenuous that I would, I would then quickly retreat even just on my own terms where I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm – you think that this is something else. Like you feel – And again, you know and I, I, mean? don't, like, I don't think that that – I don't think that it could be an intimate – I don't think that could even happen right. in an intimate situation because, because it takes the, two people. And at the end of the day, it's still being forced by somebody. So it's really just someone trying to be your friend. You know what I mean? Right. By divulging vulnerable information or secrets or things or, that then would create a false sense of, of a bond. Well, that and then also their actions. Like if they are constantly texting me or they're constantly reaching out or they are kind of doing a little too much where it's like just kind of – you know, read a room. Like we kind of have to have this unspoken understanding. And I think that that's kind of when I get the signal in my head that this person is on the same page as I am. Like we communicate the same way. We have the same needs. We don't need to talk to each other all the time. And when we do, it's very comfortable and easy. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're talking about where it can start as a growing point. And, um, you know, then in terms of, you know, dating or trying to meet a potential partner, it's the same kind of thing. If anything, I'm, I'm so opposite. Like, of course, a girl's got needs, a girl's got desires, but I do not feel the same way that I do back in my 20s where I was like, I need to have sex with this person in order for them to feel like, in, in order for me to feel close to them because mm-hmm. that's how I thought that that's how it was achieved. I don't feel that way anymore. If anything, I... I'm like so like scared of anyone ever touching me again that I'm like, whoa, I do not want to go down that path again I think because once it's been you, like, so dark. I think something happened and it's hard for me to say because again, I'm speaking as someone like from sexual assault brain. So like my, my view of physical intimacy isn't like yours necessarily, but I do still think that there's something that goes on where even though you were searching for physical intimacy and it wasn't in relation to sexual assault. We still were both doing that. Mm -hmm. And in our early twenties at points, you were looking for a connection. So was I, they weren't fueled by the same thing, but it doesn't matter. I thought they were, you Mm -hmm. know, like in my mind, I thought I was, I just, I think that there's something that happens after you, if you feel that way and you're craving that physical Im- intimacy, I think a lot of people don't allow themselves to explore it and try it. And that's what you and I did. And it didn't, we didn't find happiness in it. It did not work. And because we allowed ourselves that exploration to find out that's not what we wanted and it didn't work, we now are in a place of actually being able to level-headedly look at our physical intimacy and have more control over it. It's not this insatiable thing. Because I think it's like when people talk, like, again, I, I'm, I'm just going to bring up Dax a million times in this episode, but Dax Shepard says on his podcast all the time that 
how blessed and like lucky he is to have actually gotten famous so that he could then realize it didn't solve all of his problems and he wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. And he was like, there's so many people that never get that chance. So they really spend their whole lives thinking that. I think a lot of people maybe meet a partner, get married young. Um, I met Ricky fairly young, but not super young. We weren't in high school. So I think that at that time, like allowing yourself that exploration can help you have a healthier relationship later on. Whereas a lot of people that get married young, I think that they spend a lot of this time building it up. Like I'm, I don't have this physical intimacy I want and daydreaming and thinking about all the people. And then they either have affairs or they try it. And then unfortunately you lost your marriage or you lost that relationship. And then you find out it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And that the physical intimacy isn't just having sex with someone that you think might be hotter. or You would be more into in the moment. There's a lot more that goes into that. Um, and I've, we've talked about it before, you know, I'm a huge proponent of like, don't date the guy that you think is super hot right away. You will find them to be hotter as time goes on. If you allow that intimacy, of course you should think they're attractive, yeah. but like it, when it builds, it's better mm-hmm. than when it, you're just like, I think you're so attractive right away. And then chipping away and being like, no, you're not. Oh my right. God, it's getting worse. Because all of that is tied into superficiality. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's. It's much more fulfilling and substantial as a human being with a meaningful relationship to have the experiences together and to get to know them, get to know their soul, you know, Mm -hmm. and really see how they are as a person as opposed to just acting on a physical attraction. Because again, like you said, it's, it's so empty and disappointing when you find out that that's not what you wanted, that you know, depending on which way you can take it, again, this is why I think it's important to have, to constantly be building your confidence and self-esteem because at that point, then you can know for sure that that's, you're, you're beyond that. That is not, you know, that is not for you. That is not what you want out of life. That's not how you want to make connections so that, yeah, you can have a better handle on it. And, or adversely, if it is, like if you try it out, I think there's a lot of people who are much more, um, they're more comfortable in a physically intimate thing. Like mm-hmm. that's who they are. Yeah. They have a more sexual energy and more physical energy. If that's where you're comfortable and you know that and you take the time to explore it, then maybe your challenge is, are you having emotional conversations right. with people? Maybe push yourself in that realm. So I think whatever you're lacking to just kind of push yourself a little bit and to go deeper and mm-hmm. learn more. And you can't just be like, oh, well, I'm somebody who's just not that way. Well, right. then maybe you should learn because you want to be, a, like you said, a well-rounded human being. Right. And I think... It's it's always worth looking into further because I think that when I was just blindly navigating the world, trying to find that connection through, you know, just all of the, the harmful things that I was doing, um, and then I heard the word intimacy and then I still didn't have a, a very clear understanding of what that meant, I, I got like a little bit of a better idea and like thought that maybe I had all my shit together and then again, turns out not true. So I think that... I definitely made a lot of mistakes in that sense because I just didn't really know what I was doing. But again, just kind of referencing back to the winter aspect of all of this is over this past winter, one of the main things that I learned about myself was that the intimacy and the connection that I was craving just from a romantic partner. Again, I wasn't thinking of it in terms of my friendships or my family relationships. I was only, I thought that I only could have intimacy with a romantic partner. And what I learned that was a huge monumental growth point for me was that I was finding the intimate value of all of my friendships. And 
finding all the things that I was looking for in a partner in the people that I already have Mm -hmm. and in new people that I want to get to know and, you know, developing new relationships with people and having all of those amazing qualities of intimacy with so many people as opposed to just pigeonholing myself into one partner that was just going to disappoint me over and over again. Well, I think that's a common, like we, I've heard Esther Perel, uh, who's a famous therapist, couples therapist. She's amazing. If you've never listened to her or heard of her, she's incredible. She's as Katie would uh, say. She really is. And she's, her voice is enchanting. I don't Mm -hmm. know how else to put it. Um, but she's talked about that. It's like a common, it's not just our generation. It's just a current, it's a, a theme that's going on worldwide that currently in present day, people who are between the ages of, I guess, you know, 15 and 45 or 50, we all think that our partners should be everything to us. Our lover, our best friend, our confident, our spiritual advisor, our, all of the things that we want that intimacy, all of it with only them. And if they don't give it to us, then they're not the right partner for us. When in reality, like you said, you have to outsource you you're never ever maybe after being married to someone for 60 years you can achieve all four levels but you're never going to find someone off the bat that you have all four if you do either they're your soulmate or you have tricked yourself into believing that you have those that intimate connection in all of these categories because you probably don't I just don't think it's very realistic and once you realize that I have, you need to serve different purposes with different people and different relationships. And like we've said before, categorize them. Who is this person to me? What do I want from them? What is our dynamic and our relationship? And then seek that intimacy there. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean you can't have all of it with everyone. You could. That's great. But you don't need to. And I also it's just, that I must have. Yeah. And I also want to point out that it doesn't always have to be a long-term relationship in order for you to have an intimate connection. Oh, so no. It, there's levels within the levels. So you can have a very new relationship where you, you do start making intimate connections. Or you can have, you know, very long-term grandfathered in, like you and I, relationships where we are just now really coming to terms with what it means to us and how to grow it and make it better and become better people. So there's varying levels of the degree. And there's, and there's it, during, and I want to point out too, because I just think to reference on our past and to try to give a better understanding is like, I think that during that time when you and I, me you and Ray were friends with the person we used to be friends with, we were in that dynamic that we've talked about on this podcast before of a toxic relationship, a toxic friendship. I did want intimacy with my friends that is extremely important to me when I would talk to you alone when I would talk to Ray alone we would have very deep conversations that's what I like to do and when I would try to get emotionally or mentally intimate with when that other person was in the group she would shut it down immediately I think a lot of that is maybe why you didn't even look for it in our friend group for a long time because she was like, yeah, what, losers get intimate with their friends. Losers have intimate conversations. At that time is when I knew that I wanted that, but then Ray started going to therapy. She started realizing she wanted more intimate connections, so she and I started having them privately, and then it led into it. So that actually, that craving for intimate friendship is really was a huge part of the deterioration of why I no longer wanted to be friends with the person that was toxic in our group because she was not allowing us to reach that next level, which we've touched on in other episodes, but I just want to make it clear on like, I think that it would have happened for you sooner Mm -hmm. if that we weren't in that position. Oh yeah. And, and your 
social circle, who you surround yourself with, not only are you guilty by association because then other people probably start to think that, you know, or maybe thought that I was that way where I brushed off intimacy and like would rather just talk shit all the time. And it's not only just the guilty by association, but it's also the influence in your life as to how you think about yourself and what you really want out of life. Because deep down, I was not following my gut intuition of, Mm -hmm. of always craving the emotional connection that I know that I've always wanted. But then I just put on the back burner now that I'm just thinking about it it's kind of crazy because I don't I don't want to derail but I just want to make a point is that at that time you were craving intimacy of all kinds you were in a relationship where you were not getting it um and you were not getting it from your friends and definitely not from the people you were working with at that time so I think that at that point it's interesting because that person that we were friends with Um, that was kind of putting the kibosh on you getting to a mental, emotional, spiritual uh, intimacy place. The only intimacy she would give you was physical. And overwhelmingly so. She was always trying to touch you, sit near you. I think too because she knew it bothered you to a degree because she did it to me too. Mm -hmm. And that's the one intimacy that you and I do not like. And that was the only one that she was ever willing to give. And it was almost like we were in an experiment or like a fucked up pressure cooker of like, we're not going to give you anything you need, but all I'm going to do is give you this one thing you really don't want that makes you extremely uncomfortable. And let's see how long it takes for you to explode. Yeah. Like, well, I think that's why my feelings now, my realizations, like my epiphanies about the things that I want out of life feel so loud and abundantly clear to me now because I've been suppressing them for so long. So they almost feel very intense when I really sit and think about like, just how how much I that's that is my passion in life is like just constantly growing my relationships and mm-hmm. forming deeper connections with you know upon deep connections and why I feel this overwhelming sense of gratitude for the people that I do have in my life that are on the same page as I am new or old that makes me feel so intensely happy and excited about life and it's something I've never felt before you know there's still a couple challenges that I'm running into as I'm developing this understanding but at the same time you know it is very important to cut out those people or just I mean I know it's not easy I know it's not easy to just cut people out of your life as toxic as they are right away you know as somebody who is who's been a chronic people pleaser, I know for anyone else out there who is the same way, it's very difficult to just chop that relationship and sever that tie. But it will do wonders for your growth, your mental health, everything, because being in those types of relationships is what keeps you closed off. And not until you cut them out can you really open and like spread your wings and really learn about yourself yeah like it's taking up the space and time that you could spend um having deeper conversations and connections with other people but it is also like you said I practiced things so the more you surround yourself with people that you are reaching an intimate level in one capacity or another you're just going to keep doing it more and more and more it becomes a more comfortable space to live in and rather way yeah and like we we were definitely people who, although I love to, we would have intimate conversations with people when we were drunk because mm-hmm. we felt comfortable. We didn't always feel comfortable when we were sober or in other situations. And I think now we, neither of us would be able to 
fake it and have pleasantries and fake conversation, small talk. You'd see it all over our face that oh, we're yeah. like, this, I, it I don't want to do this. It almost makes me sick. Like, it makes me sick to my stomach when I think about the people that I thought I was intimate with and that I put so much of my time and energy into. And then it makes me just so bored when I do it now with new people and even like between you and I like you and I like we've never had an intimate relationship and I well in terms of like I think we're growing ours like it's not that we never had it but I think that it's I think it's we newer we we see it I think that we did I think that you were not as aware of it until recently and I think that there was a a different um because you and I have always had deep conversations our whole relationship we have never ever not shared things with somebody I mean you were there when I was sexually assaulted like I've never hid things from you we've had very deep conversations about a lot of things I think that what made it seem different again is that when we were out or with our friends that's not the dynamic we had so when you reflect on it and you think of the memories of you and I the conversations that we had on the phone or privately aren't maybe the memories that come first yeah, and I think also just because I didn't know really what I was looking for back then, right. I didn't really know how to place our relationship and like the dynamic of it as opposed to now where it's like, oh, I can see it for what it is now and like what we're doing yeah. moving forward. But um, one of the things that I just wanted to touch on is like maybe just like what we think our current challenges are with it because I can think of one for me being the single friend and for anybody else out there who is still struggling with their single life or getting to know like what they want in a relationship or if they want to be in a relationship, intimacy becomes a challenge because, you know, if you are somebody like me who in the past had relied on physical touch or physical intimacy to achieve intimacy as a whole, the challenge that's presented to me now is how to separate that how do I if I'm just trying to get to know somebody and they are of the opposite sex how do I let them build and get to a physical part you know it's it's really kind of difficult to to navigate well I think that in my personal experience in my point of view I think that like we said that intimacy is a connection you can't force someone to have it you can't make it happen it either is there or it's not so I think that you have met people throughout you know in the last how year or whatever that you had intimate conversations with that you were able to get to an intimate mental or emotional place with them um I think that not thinking about it about when am I going to do this? When am I going to get physically intimate? When am I going to get emotionally intimate? When am I not thinking about when it's going to happen or how you're going to do it and going along for the ride, which I know is very hard for people like us to do. But I, I know that that's what I did with Ricky where I, I, I had thought so specifically with every other person I dated, you know, I really honed in on like, okay, well this means this. And then that means that we'll probably get married and that means that we'll probably like I I couldn't I couldn't stay present in the moment and I think staying present in the moment is that intimacy and then it just happens you know like you just that connection or that vibe just is there and it just happens yeah and I think that I know it just gets confusing and I'm sure anyone else out there who's in the same position can attest to it that it's just 
it is a very confusing time. That on top of not having any physical connection with anybody, like in the whole world, you know, everybody's been socially distanced for over a year. So I think we're all kind of, you know, just itching to get a physical connection. So it's like, how do I keep that at bay? Because it's been a long year. It's been a dry year. You don't you know, have to, like, but you just have to know that there is, you also like, if you wanted to just have sex with someone, you could do that. Yeah. And I think the good thing about it is if, if I try to put myself in that situation, like if I were hypothetically, you know, if I just said, fuck it, I was like, you know what? I just want to have sex with somebody. I don't even care. Like I can, I can like be honest with myself and say that if that's what I want to do, but then moving forward, thinking of the steps actually to get there. And if it were to happen, I would not be happy with myself afterwards. I just wouldn't be happy with the feeling that it would give me. Like I wouldn't, mm-hmm. me personally, I just can't do it. You know, yeah, I'm well, just not you know there. That. And that's saying, that's why you have to know, like for everyone, like you have to know yourself and know what you want and, and what you're going to get out of it and whether that's going to get you closer to what you're trying to achieve or not. And you know, and you might change your mind at some point if you don't meet someone in the next six months. You might be like, JK, I'm just going to have sex with someone yeah. and I change my mind and I feel fine about it. Yeah. And you have to give yourself the space and time to change your intimacy level, change what you're comfortable with, reassess and reevaluate. And uh, yeah, I think. Well, do you have any current, maybe not challenges, but any um, maybe challenges that you still find yourself coming up against in your relationship with intimacy or your understanding of it or what you want to achieve? I think that, I mean, not to sound like this, I really, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I really don't feel that I struggle with any intimacy other than physical. I, I, I might think I excel at it, honestly. Like I really don't yeah, not everybody has intimacy issues. Let's just put that out there. Right, and, like, and I, I, when it comes to those things, mm-hmm. I just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like it too much, you know? Like, there's some people that it makes them uncomfortable. It just doesn't. I don't know. If anything, I'm more likely to be too intimate than not. Mm-hmm. So, but the physicality of it, I mean, yeah, that the physical intimacy is something that I'm going to have to work through for the rest of my life. I know that. Like I said, you have to work on your relationship with some forms of it. This one for me is my cross to bear. Mm-hmm. I A lot of that is because it's muddled. It's a combination of sexual assault things, uh, body dysmorphia, body issues, and then just um, I think the same issues that a lot of women have of like, like we said, intimacy is being in the moment and being present. That is very hard for me to do physically. It's just not something that my brain is, I'm a multitasker. I am always doing a million things. And physical, mental, or mental, emotional, and spiritual intimacy is much more stimulating to me than physical. So I can be very in the moment when I'm talking about those things and really be in it. Because of sexual assault and body things, they cloud my ability to be present in a physical situation. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I read all the books, I've done all the things, and I just have to keep working on well I mean like we've said before in other episodes your life and the way that you live your life is not linear everything plays some type of role with something else in your life so Mm. it's not like you have to it's not like you have to fix this one thing and it's just going to be easy as that you know everything does kind of correlate and relate to each other in different ways so um yeah, the intimacy, it's not its not as black and white as just being able to just get over it and just do it. Like, There's other factors that come into play that you have to process and deal with in order to 
in order to improve your relationship with intimacy. So, and it's, it's a pro- yeah, it's a process. And I think the more that again, like the longer I've been with Ricky now for ten years, the longer I'm with him, the more that he understands me and what I've gone through the easier it is for me to break down those walls. Mm -hmm. But even now, like, I mean, we're married. It's been almost 11 years coming up in September. Like, and it's still something that I work through Mm -hmm. and something that I will probably work through forever. Mm -hmm. But, and if I were single, I would probably never be physically intimate again. I literally would probably never be again. I feel, okay, here's how I feel. I've, like, I've adapted this mindset that my body is a temple. I appreciate it for what it is and I value it much more than I have in the past. And I am not just going to give it away to just anybody anymore. That's due in part to the fact that I have um, different priorities with my intimacy and also just my self-worth and standards. Um, And I'm not saying that I'm above anybody else who decides to do with their body what they please. I just have not found happiness in treating my body as such. So... We no longer, I feel like a born again virgin, basically. Like I Mm -hmm. might as well be a virgin. I don't know what I'm doing. If the thought of it is so (laughs) scary Well, I think that's what, maybe, did I say this earlier? But that's what I, I know, I thought about this earlier. But like, that's what I was going to say is like, sometimes when you shift from that hypersexuality to then having this like click off, which is what I did too, it's hard to go back. Yeah. I never did. You can't unsee what you see Right. Now. I, I've never gone back. I've mm-hmm. never been able to. And... Because you've already experienced it. You know that it doesn't feel great. So... But even like I... I think just the... Um, when you when you wake up to why you're doing it and what is happening, that changes the way that you are able... If you're able to do it again. And for me, because I realized that I was physically intimate with people because I was sexually assaulted and not because it was something I ever actually liked when I thought about it. I was like, the minute that that happened, something in my brain went off and was like, yeah, that none of that was real. Mm-hmm. None yeah. of that was real at all. Yeah. I didn't enjoy any of it. Not a moment. If you're somebody listening to this and I, um, I was ever physically intimate with you, I did not enjoy it. Just know <laughs> that. And, um, please don't touch me. Don't, don't, don't look at me. Touch don't me. touch me. And, uh, yeah. A few takeaways from this would just be that it is a process. It is not something that is a quick fix if you struggle with intimacy issues. It is a very long journey of learning about yourself. There's a lot of different things that play into intimacy. And I think part of it is, you know, experiences with with another person, conversations, Mm -hmm. meaningful conversations, all of those things. Yeah. So moving on to diamonds. Diamonds of the week. If you're new, a bright spot, a dark week. So something that made us happy or brought us joy. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I. It could be big or small. You tell me every week. It doesn't have to I be know. substantial. Okay. Um, I will go with this. This is, I, I'm going to go do two diamonds. I. Oh, <laughs> So basically what happened was my last week, I said that the trailer for the Bravo All-Stars Housewives was my you know, my diamond. So I don't want to give my only diamond this week being that Real Housewives in New York premiered, oh. but that is mm-hmm. a real diamond for me. So we'll say half that. The other half is that it's Mother's Day weekend, IRL. It's Saturday of Mother's Day weekend. I This is the first time that I was able to have my in-laws mm. over last night and I will have my parents over tomorrow. It's the first holiday that I can say, okay, bye. And then they leave. I don't have a drive ahead of me. I don't have to prep. I'm not running around the house trying to get ready to go. I... So that is definitely a diamond to just be able to have people in my house and that now that, you know, all of our parents are, well, mostly all of our parents are totally vaccinated except for one of them who 
shan't. <laughs> shan't be named? Yeah. Or shan't, shan't be vaccinated? Shan't be vaccinated. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Um, well, and also just um, you love to host. I like, really do. So yeah. you're finally, you've been, you've been shackled up in your apartment, not able to host for so many months, many, many months mm-hmm. since your wedding because you have a lot of entertaining Which is AKA wear. almost three years. Right. So you were finally able to break out the the fine china and the cheese plates. I know, yeah. I have so many like marble platters and like cheese, like so many things I have not even used yet. I have a cheese dome that I haven't used yet. Very excited. Um, So yeah, that's going to be, yeah, that's that's definitely my diamond. What is yours? Um, (laughs) This is coming out of left field, but a diamond nonetheless. And I'll tell you why, because it seems very superficial, but my diamond is, um, if anyone who's a millennial is uh, familiar with, which I'm sure you are, if you are a millennial, um, with the show The Hills. Mm-hmm. So, Whitney Port, Whitney mm-hmm. from the Hills, she and her husband do this YouTube series of them watching the entire series and reacting to episodes. And Timmy, Timmy, yes, <laughs> I. So I've grown to love them just because Whitney is. She's always just been like a kind soul. If you've ever watched the Hills, you'll know. Like she's, she's just a kind soul. She has no, no agenda. She's just there to live her goddamn life. But she's. Um, her and Timmy together, I I just find them really funny, and mm-hmm. his reactions to the show are really funny because he does like the commentary that he does is very on par with like how well, he we was would. a producer. Yes, he right? was. I think that's yeah. what they meant. Yeah. Um, and fun fact, oh my god, you're gonna love this. So they were watching. I think we're in season three, but um, there was just like a background person, and they like they were like, oh my god, wait, we know that guy. Who is that guy? And Timmy blowing us out of the water he identified the stranger as erica jane's creative director mikey yeah holy mikey minden yes. wow 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 he, wow back in like 2003 or four whatever the sh- whenever the show was yes he was absolutely correct and even when he was like i can't believe that you got that before me and he's like well i've watched enough housewives to know who mikey is um, so that was that was a diamond within a diamond. But mm-hmm. the reason that she is a diamond with that little series is just because they, like I said, I mean, they're very lighthearted, fun. He does really funny, sarcastic commentary. Because, like, I mean, you can't take the Hills seriously now. Like, knowing yeah, knowing what it is and, and looking back on it now and, like, how silly the, the plots were, he he just has, like, the perfect, the perfect uh, dialogue to go with it. But... Every episode is like, I don't know, it's like 30 minutes long. And it's like the perfect amount of time for me to like fill my time. Like if I'm like, if I need to like sit down and eat dinner, like it's just something good and fun and easy to pop on for 30 minutes and then I can move on with my next task. And because I live my life, maybe it's my ADD. I live it in like stages when I get home from work where it's like, okay, I'm going to do this for like 30 minutes and then I'm on to the next thing. I can't really always completely finish a task. You know, like I can't just like cook dinner, eat dinner, clean up the kitchen. I need to like cook dinner, sit down for like 30 minutes and then like eat. And you know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's an increment. So she's the perfect way to fill in the increments of like, okay, I'll give myself. I literally every day, just to show how different we are, I work from home and every day before I start work, I gather everything and anything that I will need for the next six hours and I do it all so that once I'm here, Anything I need to do, it's here. I'm done. I'm not, there is no next, I can't, if I had to get up and, and do another thing, I, I would never, I would never be able to. My brain just, I can't, I can't operate for more than like 30 minutes at a time. Like I think that I've 
developed a form of ADD because I'm like, okay, that's, it's been 30 minutes. I'm going to give myself a break and I'm going to do this for like maybe 20 minutes and then do the next thing and then do the next thing. Ricky's kind of like that too. Mm -hmm. It's, it kind of just like breaks up the night a little bit. Whereas like, I want to do everything at once. Like I like to multitask. I'm working while I'm grocery shopping, while I'm watching Housewives, (gasps) while I'm thinking of ideas for the podcast, while I'm, I, I like to always, that's what I was telling you earlier why like, I literally like, I can't be physically present in intimate physical intimacy because I literally like I need to do a lot of things at once that's not enough for me to do you know what I mean like if I could be doing like a crossword puzzle while being physically intimate then we're talking like now mm. we're getting somewhere you know what I mean like may, that would be probably I enough I can for handle me. that yeah but um, then after 30 minutes I'd be like get off me <laughs> well, yeah that's good either way um that it was just something to get me through, just yeah. get me through the week. I listened to her podcast, I used to listen to her podcast uh, with Wit, and she's done quite a few episodes with Timmy, so I'm mm-hmm. um, familiar with them. Yeah. Yeah, I like them a lot. Um, all right, well, I think that we have gone on for some time now. I hope that y'all enjoyed this episode, and as per usual, you can follow us on Instagram at we don't know her pod. You could also send us a DM, you know, any of the sort. You could also go to iTunes and rate and review and, and subscribe. subscribe and then you won't have to every week be like did they put on an episode like searching you know googling we don't know her going on our Instagram doing all the things like you subscribe you'll get a notification it's the best thing every Wednesday I get like 19 notifications that all of my podcasts that I subscribe mm. to dropped mm-hmm. and including ours it's very exciting and it makes it easy so yeah, yeah just, do, just do that all right um yeah and with that we will see you on the next one All right, peace. Bye.